0: Welcome to Lift Leadership Podcast with Bobby Alger. Each episode, Bobby will share insights and tips from his over 25 years of church leadership experience. For new episodes and more information, please visit crossroadswinchester.com. Welcome to this episode of Lift Leadership. It's been a while since I've been with you, been busy with other things, but I'm back. And today's topic is finding your calling so that you can help others find theirs. As I look at the topic of calling, really what I think about is what we were created to do. It's like innate within us. It it seems natural or it feels normal. And other people even recognize like, wow, you were really created to do this. So that's what I'm really talking about when I talk about uh, finding our calling it's uh, different, maybe it's the same as, as gifting. Some people might look at calling as different from gifting, but I would say it's pretty much the same. I would say it's different from our passion. For instance, uh, I can go to a sports game and I can really cheer loudly and be passionate about it. But uh, attending sports games and cheering loudly is not my calling. It might be how I express my passion, but it's not my calling. Uh, Mark Twain, made this statement he said that the two greatest days in your life is the day that you were born and the day that you discover why that would be related to your calling and so the first day obviously was probably a passive experience you were born the the second day when you discover your calling is uh, going to take persistence it's going to take self-discovery and others speaking into your life simon sinek said it this way he said that when you find your gift or that after you find your gift, he said, then you're gonna to have to work hard at it. And then he said that you might find some luck and have some success. Well, I would uh, uh, put it differently that, you know, you, you do have to find your, your gift and your calling. And there, it does take hard work at times, but it's more than just luck. It's really a, a product of discovering who you are and, and plowing through the tough times, and then as a result of that, you do have success. i want to identify your uh, calling here and kind of help you if, you if you're uncertain about what your calling exactly is. And I will say that your calling is uh, how you identify yours, is how you're going to help others identify theirs. So it's really the same process. It's just looking at it in, from a different lens. The first thing is to identify your calling is what are you good at? I mean, what do you naturally, uh, what brings you joy? Uh, what are the things that, that you do that, uh, that you, you just, it just comes naturally. That's really an indication of your calling. The second thing is, um, what do you continue to do even when it's hard? That would be another indication of what your calling is because, uh, let's face it, there's things that we do. It gets tough. It gets difficult. It gets challenging. We have to persist through. Some things we just give up on and go try something else. But I really believe that when you find your calling, you're going to persist through the hard times. And so you kind of look at yourself and say, what do I, what do I just plow through even though it's rough? That would be an indication of your calling. The third question I would uh, say is you need to observe, maybe even ask, what do others say that you're good at? So not just think what you're good at, what do others say that you're good at? And, and take some uh, some assessment from them, and uh, that would be a pretty good indication of what your calling is. The fourth thing that I would say that your calling is is something that you can receive mentoring from others, and you don't get offended, and you don't get upset thinking they're critical. You actually say, wow, thank you for that information, that self-awareness, that, that tidbit of information, that really helped me. to to make me a better person. And so when there's a subject matter or an area that you actually feel like you want to be mentored by others, another indication that you've found your calling. And then a final question is the results. What are you expecting when you actually land or discover what your calling is? And uh, one of the things that I want to talk about later in this uh, podcast is just how much time it takes to really mature and refine our calling it's one thing to identify it it's another thing to have a mature calling and as we're on the way then we help to help others find their calling another thing i thought of is your calling is not your career now some people would say they're one and the same but actually you can have different careers and have the same calling I think of Michael Jordan. I mean, we think of him as the, you know, the all-star elite basketball player. He's kind of the standard, but um, there was a period of time when he played baseball and he was actually pretty good at it. And then he went back to basketball and then he retired again and then he went back to basketball. He actually retired, I think three times from basketball. And then one of those times, the first time he, he played baseball. So he was just really an all-around career sports person. He had a gift to be in sports and it wasn't necessarily just one game, even though he certainly did excel in basketball. I, I look over my life and I've had really, if you look at a career rise, three careers. I started out in manufacturing sales and then I pastored and then uh, I picked up and, 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 and uh, uh, I did a small business for a period of time. And now I'm back pastoring full-time, even to the place that I'm giving oversight to other ministries that are starting to develop. And so each career was different in some ways, but yet my gifting uh, or calling stayed the same all the way through. In other words, in all three different careers, so to speak, I pastored people, I uh, solved problems, I shared vision, and I led people. And that's the consistent theme all the way through the uh, the different careers that I was in. really stayed in the same calling the other thing that happens is that sometimes our careers can frustrate our calling in other words we're in a career and uh, we're so wrapped up in that we know it's not our calling but we don't have time to enter into our calling Um, what do we do then well i think um, it's time to evaluate and uh, i have three questions here that if you're in that situation where you feel like that you can't enter in your calling because of the career that you're in, uh, ask yourself this question, have I changed or has the company changed? And I've had both happen to me. I've been in some situations where I've changed, I've, I've grown or, or uh, uh, just my development in, in my um, my calling has kind of outgrown the career that I'm in. And then I've had the other thing happen. I've had the organization change that I didn't fit anymore. And so really you can look at it from two different angles about whether or not uh, your uh, uh, your career is um, uh, hindering your calling. Another question that I would ask if I were in that situation is, in my present situation, are my boundaries too wide or another way to say, are my margins too narrow? Uh, what do I mean? Meaning that um, today in time, everybody wants you to do more with less. Everybody wants you to put more on your plate than size plate you have. But I recognize that when you start doing that on a consistent basis, uh, you're, you're headed for burnout. You're headed for a career crash. And I've noticed that as I take on more, I have to delegate more. I have to move more off my plate in order to hold what, uh, what is needed for my calling to be effective. Not only for myself, but also for the ministry. Margins, definitely, we need those in our life, and pay attention to whether or not we have enough. The third question I would ask, if if uh, I would think that my uh, career is hindering my calling, is um, if I were to change careers, could I could my calling be better utilized? Uh, sometimes you can change careers and 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 still just damper your calling. So. Um, there's another factor that's involved in changing careers and that is sometimes that our careers actually finance our calling And so you you change careers because you want to go into your calling and suddenly you realize man, I don't have the finances that I need in order to sustain this calling. And so all of these are factors that you need to uh, weigh in on time. Uh, I know a friend of mine that he was, in a so to speak, a very prestigious job, he was managing 200 engineers. He was an engineer himself, and and uh, he just felt like he wanted to start his own business, but he kind of resisted because obviously he was in this this job where he was managing these 200 engineers. And so finally, after two years, he decided, okay, I'm I'm going to start my own business. Well. The way it turned out, in the first year, he made three times the amount of money that he did in that uh, previous organization, and he had a lot less headaches, (laughs) as you can imagine. He was managing himself, so if he got a headache, it was because of him, not anybody else. So that's what happens sometimes. We have to really, uh, sometimes it takes a risk for us to say, I think my career is hindering my calling. I need to make a change, and certainly financial considerations are a part of that. After you discover your calling, then it's really time to move into maturity of that calling. What does that look like? Well, John Maxwell, that is well-known in leadership, made this statement. He said, a leader's greatest return in life is to attract, develop, and multiply other leaders. Let me say this again. He said, a leader's greatest return in life is to attract, develop, and multiply other leaders. And I think that's an amazing statement and one that, uh, that I would latch on to and, and certainly uh, have begun to practice in my life more intentionally than ever. I think of, uh, in, in the Bible where um, John the Baptist and Jesus, he understood clear his calling that as he came onto the scene of what his calling was, he was clear that he must decrease and the ministry of Jesus must increase. And so that's exactly how it happened. He came with a message that he was to deliver, but he knew that when it was time for Jesus to come on the scene, that he had to phase out and Jesus had to phase in. And that's exactly how it happened. I find that helping others find their calling takes time, relationship, and trust. Time, relationship, and trust. And oftentimes they develop uh, over time. You don't really know uh, how this person is going to work out when you first hire them. In other words, you don't find those, those, uh, those traits on a resume or even in an interview. They really happen over time as you work together and you build trust. Now, as I mentioned Jesus, he was the master at helping others find their calling. He brought 12 men around him and he said, "Um, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make your calling to become fishers of men. A lot of them were fishers of fish. But he said, I'm gonna make you fishers of men. And so how did he do that? How did he pass this calling along to these 12 guys? Well, he did it in, in several ways. I'm just going to outline it. It's, it's pretty simple. If you think about it. the first thing is that Jesus did his calling and they watched, they just kind of stood around and observed. And as he practiced his calling and he was very clear about what his calling was, they watched. And sometimes they didn't understand what he did or, or things that he taught what they meant. And, uh, and they would talk about it. They would, they would uh, you know, have a around the fire, bonfire or something, uh, probably not a bonfire, but, uh, you know, a ring of fire where they just talk about what Jesus said so that he'd help them understand. They ask questions. So he started out doing it and they watched. The next, the next thing that happened that, uh, of how Jesus helped them find their calling was that he sent them out to do with authority, what he had done. Now he didn't send them out alone. He sent them out two by two. So they had a buddy with them and they went out and they they did what he told them to do. And they had authority to do it. And this was just a, a, an amazing time because as they as they went out, suddenly they had to realize they had to make decisions and he wasn't there, but they gave him a He had given them a clear assignment. And so they carried out that assignment with the the best of their uh, ability. Now, one of the things I've learned over the years is the difference between a person with ideas and a person with a calling. And I really didn't understand this when I started in leadership because I would have people come and they would have great ideas. And I would get all fired up. I'm like, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do it. And then I began to realize that the ideas person was expecting me to do their idea. And I had to wise up over the years to say, well, this is not how this works. If you have the ideas, then I'm assuming you have the calling. And yet they didn't understand that. I didn't understand that. It just kind of uh, flopped for a while. But then I, I recognized the difference between a person that would come to me with calling. And usually they start out the same. They have ideas. And the, the person with the calling, they just need permission. And they go do it. They find the resources, they bust through the obstacles, they rally the people, and they just they just they just go for it. I mean, they don't need my help. They just needed permission to share and go do it, where an ideas person comes around and is all they do is talk about the next idea and the latest idea but a person with calling, they get her done. And so I had to learn that over a period of time, the difference between just an ideas person and a person with a calling. Now, the third thing that Jesus did in helping uh, his 12 find their calling is they went out and they actually experienced what he said would happen. That was exhilarating. They they went out and and, and they, they did what he said and, and it happened. Now, the other factor is uh, later on, like I would say starting your calling is like uh, a relationships. Oftentimes there's a honeymoon stage where everything goes right and you never disagree and things always work out and it's like honeymoon period. But then there's a period of time in relationships and even marriage where you hit this place where things don't go well and you don't get things worked out and it feels like everybody's going to their own corner and you're, you're just there. There's nothing gelling anymore. And it gets hard. And, uh, Jesus' disciples encountered that at times, There were stuff that he, they thought they understood how to do and had the authority to do it. It didn't work out and they were pretty disillusioned. They had to come back again and get some help from him to make it through those hard times. And so, um, yeah, they they went out and they began to experience what he said that they should do in order to fulfill their calling. And then the final thing they did, number four, is they reported back what had happened. And that is such a glorious, great time to send people out and to do whatever you've you've called them to do. Uh, wh- whether it's uh, uh, you know whether it's going out in the field or whether it's uh, a, a job in the in the area of the department that they work in or whatever assignment they have. To get reports back of how things worked and how things didn't work and work through the problems and rejoice with things that worked well and also work out the problems that, uh, that didn't. Now, here's another thing that I want you to be aware of. When you start mentoring others in their calling, their calling will probably be very similar to yours. And if you are not secure in your calling, you will get insecure when they start to develop theirs because they will shine in ways that sometimes you haven't yet. They may even outshine you. And if you're not secure in your calling of what you've been called to do, even mentoring them, then you'll get jealous, you'll get intimidated, and you will like, I'm wondering if I'm the person to mentor them in their calling that's just a revelation that you're not secure in yours, or maybe there's some maturing that needs to happen in yours. But as you are set in your calling and you begin to mentor others in in, in theirs, you will rejoice that they are better than you, that they can communicate better, that they have a better handle on problems than what you have. You will rejoice because you are secure in yours and helping them then uh, build their calling as well. Now, another thing that, uh, that I recommend is that if you feel alone in leadership, my question is, why aren't you building a team around you? This is so critical. I tell my people all the time when they start a new ministry, build a team around you because there's a time where something may happen that you might not show up. Don't cancel the meeting. Have somebody else that you have mentored to step right in behind you and carry on what you had had planned to do, but you couldn't be there uh, for some reason. And I always tell my people to build a team around them. I've done this in ministry. I'm the primary uh, uh, pastor here at the church and do a, a lot of the preaching, but I have built both of my associates are uh, very capable preachers, and I look forward to listening to them preach, and, and, and uh, I have a couple of elders besides them that can preach, and even there, some of our wives can preach. In other words, I don't want to be the only preacher here. I want to build a team around me of folks that are are capable and and moving and growing in their calling so that we are a team together and not just uh, dependent upon one person that is able to do their job as well. So my question to you, if you're feeling alone in leadership, are you building a team? And if not, why not? Look for people, again, that are similar to your gifting and begin to mentor them in their calling and they will come forth. Here's a here's another growth point in mentoring, and that is that you always rise higher when you're around people that have uh, uh, that are stronger in their gifting than what you are. Now, this is really a, 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 a something that happens in sports a lot. In other words, if I want to get better playing a sport, I need to play with people that are better than me, and then I will rise up to uh, actually playing the game in, in a way versus playing with people that are, are, that are, they're that not as good as me. Now I might win all the time. Certainly that's the case if I'm playing with people that are less, but I won't get better in my skill and ability and calling and maturity. If I'm always around people that have a less skill or less ability than me, I'm going to regain around people that are, that are, that are, that are doing it better than me. And that pulls me up. I remember in, in college, um, I started playing racquetball, and my uh, my roommate was a good racquetball player, and so he was better than me. and And we played over the several years. Or actually, it was just a year that uh, he was. Uh, we were together, and and uh, but I started getting better. And I remember that I, I would get to that place where uh, it was like uh, the, you know, the score is twenty one. The game was over, and I would we would get to ties, eighteen and eighteen, and nineteen and nineteen, and then I would always lose. And I thought, man, what is my problem And here? I realized that I was getting better with my skill, but then I had a mental block that every time we would get to that place of, 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 uh, of, um, a tied score that I just lose it. I just cave in and I realized I had to move from this external skill that I was getting better to an internal understanding of keeping focus. And then I began to win. And I began to get better so there was things that I was growing in my skill but I I, I grew in that because he was better than I was and as a result lifted me up and I think that's a a, that's a a good point for us in our calling that uh, reading books and going to seminars and being around people that are better in the skill that you are actually brings you forward and lifts you up and helps you mature in that way. Another area of maturing and calling is to realize that as you as you grow, you have to shift. And for me, what happened is I'm, I'm kind of a hands-on person. I like to be involved in the nitty gritty. I like to plan things and have it planned well and then, and then carry it through. And uh, early on in the beginning of the church, I was involved in everything. And now I'm at the level where I can't be involved in everything. And so that was a big shift for me in my calling That I had to shift from always being hands on and everything to actually move to a level where I'm planning ahead and I am identifying people that can do the hands on and then I show up to participate. And what I'm finding is the people find it meaningful that I show up and participate, not that I have planned everything. And that's been a big mental shift for for me because I've been so hands-on for so long. And yet I recognize that's a maturing in my calling to be able to make sure that we have vision that we're moving into and forward and it's communicated well. And other people actually do the particulars that I used to do and enjoy, but I can't do that anymore in order to be the primary vision carrier and to show up in some instances to encourage them and applaud them. So again, just an example of our calling has to mature and there's different levels that have to be worked out as we grow. Now, as I mentioned earlier, as we find our calling, we also then help others find theirs. And so the same questions that we ask ourselves, we then ask others or make the same observations. Here's the first one, and that is helping others find their calling. What are they good at? Just like we ask us, what are we good at? We ask them, what are they good at? What do they love to talk about? What books do they love to read? Is there a particular topic that when we get around them that they bring up? uh, What are they interested in uh, that that we are interested in? And so uh, all of this is, is kind of observation, but it's questions that we might ask them and say, what are you good at? What do you find joy in? What do you like doing? What brings you life? The second question in helping others find their calling is what do others say that they're good at? So, again, this is not just a self-assessment. In fact, my calling that I'm in now really didn't come as a result of a self-assessment and choose to go that direction. There were significant people that volunteered comments to me that helped settle what my calling was. Now, it had to come internal eventually, but it really started more external. Like, for instance, I had people say, you're really good with people. Someone else said, have you, ever considered a being, uh, uh, have you ever considered being a pastor? Someone else said, you can do anything you decide to do. F- uh, someone else said, you really minister to my heart. And finally, someone said, keep doing what you're doing. You're on the right track. See, those were five different people that came at different points in my life, in my calling. Those comments were made by a parent, by a sibling by a co-worker by an employer by a pastor and an overseer all of those were different people but they helped to uh, solidify what my calling was and the direction that uh, that i was going in life it propelled me forward and so i think it's really key that we don't dismiss what others are saying about us not that that has to uh, drive the bus so to speak but it is a component in us being secure in what our calling is. You know, I found it interesting. Even Jesus, who was very secure in his calling, asked his 12 guys, who do you say that I am? So they even, he even got input from his little band of brothers, so to speak, to say, who do you say that I am? Well, it took them three tries to get it right, but at least they did get it right. The third thing about helping others find their calling is, um, Recognizing that they're going to face hard times, and how will they move through that? They'll face disappointing uh, moments. They'll face self-doubt. They'll face criticism. They'll face comparison. All of these components come in at some point in time as we move through our calling, and also as we help others through theirs. Yet, as 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 I was at that juncture of having those different thoughts and questionings, that's when those other people spoke up and said things at just the right moment that propelled me forward in my calling rather than caused me to stop and not go forward. The fourth thing that I um, think in in asking uh, people uh, how to move forward in their calling is what are the results that they're expecting uh, that's really a key thing because sometimes as you're you're in uh, uh, what what you feel like is your calling in life you expect to have results and when those results don't come in the timetable that you think they should or maybe they're just different than what you expected it's really disappointing and so as you help people uh, move forward in what they are doing, you have to help them recognize that sometimes results don't come instantly. Sometimes it takes years. In fact, I've shared that my wife and I have uh, similar gifting and leadership, but different uh, gift mix in other ways. But really we clashed and uh, I've said that it took us 15 years to figure out how to get a handle on how we work together as husband and wife in ministry 15 years yeah that's right there were a lot of conversations there were a lot of consultants there were there there were a a lot of moments of of like what is this what do we do and uh you know during that time it was very frustrating for me i just wanted to quit and yet uh, that wasn't the answer but that was kind of my cop-out and my calling and yet we made it through all those times and And now we have a a good flow together. But it took a time uh, for us to figure that out. And my point in saying this is it doesn't happen instantly. It happens over a period of time. And we have to recognize that as we're mentoring others, it's going to take time for them, just like it took time for us. And so calling is really it's, its shape. It emerges over time. It's not something that you just take a test and check a box and say, "Okay, that's good. I'm in. No, it, it grows and it emerges and it takes shape and as others speak into it and we have disappointing times and we overcome, then, then we mature in the calling that we have in order for it, it to, uh, to reach uh, uh, full maturity. The fifth thing that I think about in helping others find their calling is being able to wean them off of us so that they begin to have an inner strength. That they can call on when they need to. If if we program them when they when they get to the place in their calling, that they always run back to us, or uh, they get to a difficult, they always run back to us. Uh, they they, get the, they don't know what to do. They always run back to us. What we're doing is we're actually fostering a codependency. And we need to recognize that as much as. Uh, they might need us for a period of time. There's a, also a period of time when we need to let them go and begin to make decisions, begin to call on that inner strength within themselves. And as a result, you're actually maturing them in the process of them funding their calling. For example, one of the things that I do is, as I'm mentoring people, and if they come with a problem, instead of being the answer man, which uh, you start out, in mentoring somebody and calling, you oftentimes do that. I stop and ask them, well, what would you do? What do you think we should do in this situation? And what you find out is that when you, instead of being the answer person to ask the question to, what do they think you then begin to discover how well your mentoring has really taken in them because oftentimes what I find is the answer that they give back to me when I ask them is exactly what I would have told them to do. Yet it's a lot more rewarding for them to hear that it's already within them rather than being dependent upon me to give them the answer. So there's a kind of a weaning process of this calling that uh, we need to recognize, otherwise we set up a codependent relationship and that's not healthy for anyone. So the key component in this is, uh, is when you when you release them in their calling, uh, one of the things I try to do is, is not focus upon whether they're getting it right or getting it wrong, but to focus on the fact that they actually tried. They stepped out. They did something that maybe they were uncomfortable with or had never done before, but at least they stepped out and did it. And I begin to focus on that rather than the fact of getting it right or wrong because they've reached the maturity that they know if they hit it or missed it. <laughs> we don't need to necessarily talk about that, but we can talk about the fact of, wow, you really stepped it up here Wow, you really did this. You really took a chance and good for you. Kudos for you. you you'll you'll you know, you'll be able to improve it next time. But way to go. That's the level of maturing that we need to or, and cheering that we need to do at times and bring them forward. So help them basically in a process of self-diagnosis so that they can move forward and mature in their calling. So sum it all up here. Uh, Fulfilling your calling and helping others find their calling includes you settling what your calling is. If you're unsure, they will be insecure. If you're unsure, they will be insecure. The second thing in helping others uh, find their calling is that their calling as you help develop theirs, it's going to be very similar to yours. And so you have to realize that the similarities that, that will begin to sometimes cause you to be jealous or compare or think, wow, they're going to be better than me. No, that's really what it should be when you're mature and settled in your own calling. And then, uh, the third thing is that, um, that the questions and the, and the process that you ask them is, um, that you you help them begin to self-assess so that they're not always dependent upon you and um, so the questions that you ask them again are what are they good at Uh, what do others affirm them in can they make it through challenging times with you or without you is their expectations realistic of their calling in the timetable of their calling and then finally do they have a a self-awareness to diagnose things when you're not around that would be helping them to mature in their calling. So helping others find their calling, it takes time, it takes relationship and it takes trust. Callings may not, uh, uh, I mean, callings oftentimes take years to mature, not necessarily years to identify, but years to mature. Relationships must be mutual. If if the person or persons you're mentoring are always draining you out, that's not a productive mentoring and helping others find their calling. If if your relationship is, is mutual in a sense of you're benefiting as much as they are, that's a healthy mentoring in their calling and helping them find their calling. And finally, uh, Helping others find their calling means that we're building trust with one another and trust again, as I mentioned, takes a relationship in time. It's not something that happens overnight. It's something that happens over years. I leave you with this challenge and that is, are you secure in your calling? Can you say a wholeheartedly yes or no, or I'm not sure. And then, Are you investing in someone else, in their calling, to help bring them along? Both are rewarding for ourselves to understand ours and to also bring someone else into theirs. That is rewarding equally as well. So I implore you to identify and find your calling and then take a step further, and that is to help others find their calling as well. I look forward to more topics to come. Thank you for tuning in to this episode as we lift up your leadership. We'll see you next time.